Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Not everyone loves babies. Maybe you've seen someone who is very awkward or uncomfortable around babies, who kind of holds a baby at arm's length out here, not wanting to draw it close. Maybe you've seen, maybe you're that kind of person yourself. Not everybody loves babies, because of course babies are very unpredictable. (laughs) You never know whether you're going to be squeezing them too tightly or not holding them tight enough, or whether they're going to start crying or maybe spit up on you. Who knows? There's all kinds of reasons why a person might be uncomfortable around a baby. But then, of course, there are some people who are just naturals with babies. Maybe you've seen this kind of person. Maybe you're this kind of person yourself, the kind of person who can just swoop in and pick up a baby confidently, even if the baby's fussing, upset, crying, doesn't matter. No matter what, that person just comes in, swoops up that baby and holds it close with confidence and grace and comfort and ease. Maybe you've seen that kind of a person. Just hold those two pictures in your mind as we take a consideration of what happened in our gospel lesson this morning. Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple to offer the sacrifices that were required of the firstborn in exchange for the firstborn son who belonged to God. Parents were supposed to bring a sacrifice to redeem him. And then he would be under their care. So that's what they did. They brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this fellow shows up, 
Simeon. He's a devout and righteous man, but there he is in the temple, and he sees Jesus, and he comes in, and he just swoops him up, takes him up in his arms, confidently and boldly. Now, I don't know whether he looked awkward when he was holding Jesus, but the way that the story is told in our gospel lesson, it looks like he knew exactly what he was doing. He comes in, he picks up Jesus, maybe even without even asking the parents. We don't have any cue here as to what happened. He just comes in, and there he is, holding Jesus, delighting in Jesus, and saying these words, these Precious words, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And when Mary and Joseph heard these words, they marveled, they wondered at what was said about Jesus. Maybe more than they marveled at this strange fellow coming in and just picking up their baby and speaking about him. Now it's important to know that It doesn't really matter whether Simeon was good with children or loved babies or was awkward around them. None of that matters because the point of his embrace, the point of his delight in Jesus is not that he's a cute and cuddly baby, but it's that he is his salvation. When Simeon sees Jesus, he knows that he is seeing his salvation. He loves Jesus because he loves what God is doing for him. In Jesus. God had told him, by some mystery, God had told him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. That is, until he had seen the fulfillment of everything that God promised from long ago, that he would send someone to crush the serpent's head, that from the stump of Jesse, that is, from King David's royal line, which had become nothing, there would come yet again another king. And this king would rule in righteousness and peace. And he would govern the nations and everything would be on his shoulders and he would be a wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. All of these things Simeon was waiting for. And when he saw this tiny little baby, he knew this is the one he had been waiting for. And he swooped him up in his arms and he prophesied. He spoke of God's grace and his mercy, not just for himself, but also for the whole world. What did he say about Jesus? This baby boy here is a light For the nations, as small and insignificant as he seemed, he would be the one who would redeem the whole world. Now Simeon rejoices in this fact, that now he can depart in peace. He can depart in peace, not because he's had some satisfaction, because like he's lived a long and fulfilling life and now he's really reached the end, but he can depart in peace because he has seen The salvation that God is giving him from sin and from death. That's dreadfully important. It's so important for us to bear in mind at this time of year, at Christmas time, and also throughout our lives, especially as we see around us sin and death and decay all the more. This is what happens. As you grow older, people don't get younger. The world fades away, and your loved ones, you lose them. So it's important for us to wrap our heads around what is meant by departing in peace. What does it mean that Simeon can now die in peace? It is not what the world so often thinks. Maybe you've heard people say these kinds of things. Even folks who are approaching their own death, they have lived a satisfying life. They're tired and worn out. They don't think that they have anything to regret. They're just, they're ready to move on. And so they are at peace, they say. I'm at peace 
with my approaching death. Maybe they're tired of their suffering. They've been sick and miserable and pain. And so they're looking forward to the relief that they will get in death from that pain. And so they think that they are at peace. They're not putting up a fight anymore. They've resigned themselves to the inevitable. They've reckoned with their sickness and their mortality. And so, okay, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with what's coming for me. There's no hope of recovery. Sometimes people think that they are going to be at peace if they can die a certain way. Maybe suddenly, without much forethought, maybe in their sleep. That's what it means to have a peaceful death, they think. I think there's something that is often misleading. I'm very thankful, extraordinarily thankful for all of the medical care that we receive in our day and age. But there is something kind of deceptive about how much care a person can receive at the point of death. The comfort care that a person can receive, which makes it seem like that is what is giving them peace. Not feeling pain. Not being miserable. Not struggling. Not laboring at death. But none of those things, you know this, none of those things are the things that make for peace. It is, in fact, none of the things that we can see with our eyes or the things that we can wrap our heads around in anticipation. None of those things make for peace. But it is what Simeon experienced here. Eyes that have seen salvation. The promise of a Savior delivered. That is what brings peace. That is what leads to a peaceful death. Quite apart from what anybody might see. In fact, we're going to hear a little bit later as I tell you about the story of Stephen. That even the ugliest and most grotesque of deaths can be a peaceful death for the one who believes in Jesus. Why is that? Why is it that believing in Jesus can bring peace at the point of death? It's because believing in Jesus is not just, it's not just that he existed, that he was born, that God exists, that he's out there. But believing in Jesus is that he was born for you. That he became a baby for you. Because he knew what you would suffer in this life on account of sin. Because he knew the sin that was inside of you, which you could not get rid of on your own. Believing in Jesus is putting your hope in his life and his death and his resurrection. Believing that, as Isaiah said, he is a king who has come to judge justly. Not based on what his eyes see or on what his ears hear. That is not based on all of the accusations that the devil and the world and your own sinful flesh could level against you. But based on his righteousness. Think about this. You have a king. You have a judge who is coming on the last day. Who is going to judge you because he loves you. He's a judge who is in your side of the court. He's also your defender and your savior. He knows you. He knows what's inside of you. He knows all of the thoughts of your hearts. He knows everything about you. And still, he has decided in your favor. And still, he is for you. He's not going to listen to what anybody says about you. He's not going to listen to what the devil says about you. He's not going to listen to what your own heart accuses you of. He's going to instead decide in your favor. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. It means to trust him. To hear what he says about you and to put your hope in him. To believe, as Paul said, that he has come to redeem you from the curses of the law. The curses of the law which bring condemnation. The weight of having broken God's good and gracious law. The weight of having sinned. The weight of guilt. All of that has been lifted from you so that you now have received adoption as children. You were enemies and strangers to God, but now 
You are his own beloved children. You've been brought into the family, and that means this, that death, death for Christians is not some, some kind of a tragic farewell. There is all kinds of grief that accompanies death. It is painful. It's not the way the world was supposed to be. We're not supposed to die. God did not create us to die. But death for Christians is not some sort of a tragic farewell. Instead, it is a glorious homecoming where you're brought at last out of this world, out of this valley of sorrows, this darkness in death, but brought to a place of light and hope. That's why trusting in Jesus brings peace, even at the point of death, because that is what he has come to give you. He has come to set the world aright. He has come to straighten things out, to bring righteousness, and to put an end to wickedness. But above all else, he has done that in your hearts, so that you can live with him eternally. The psalmist says this marvelous thing. I read it often at bedsides, at the bedsides of those who are dying. It's startling, because at the bedside of someone who is dying, we don't want to think about what's coming. We want to deny it. We want to put it off. We want to hold on to some thread of hope. But listen to what the psalmist says. Precious, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? Because in death, everything that God has promised to Christians is fulfilled. Until death, we are waiting, waiting, desperately hoping for God to deliver everything that he has promised. And in death, he gives it. That is why Simeon can sing this song of praise, not in terror about departing, not in terror about dying, not suffering from the tragedy of grief, but rejoicing that now, now at last, he can depart in peace because his eyes have seen the salvation of God. Now you know that we sing this song, Lord, now you are letting your servant go in peace. We sing it every Sunday after the Lord's Supper after we have received the body and blood of Jesus, after we have seen his salvation. And in fact, after he has taken his salvation and placed it inside of us, so that we bear within us the pledge and token of God's grace, the redemption of his son. What a precious gift it is that we get to sing this song. Think about what it means. It means that as you leave this place every Sunday, you are delighting in the hope that when you die, it will be in peace. This is the story of Stephen the martyr. Maybe just a little bit of background. He was one of the uh, first Christians in the early church to follow Jesus. So there were Christians that gathered together after Jesus ascended into heaven. And they were gathering together around God's word and breaking bread. They were celebrating the Lord's Supper. They were hearing the teachings of the apostles. They were remembering everything that Jesus did. And they were waiting, waiting for Christ's return. And there were some men who were set aside to do the work of the church in charity, to serve those in need. And Stephen was one of them. He was a deacon. His job was to minister to those who had material needs, to take care of the widows and the orphans. And he got himself in trouble because the Jews and the religious leaders of the day still did not like the message of Jesus, who had come to redeem people from the law. So Stephen got himself into trouble, and he was put on trial. He was told to make a testimony for himself. And so he stood up and he told this story of God's grace from the beginning. God had called his people out of darkness, out of slavery, out of judgment, out of exile. How God had saved them all along. How he had sent them prophets to teach them of his grace and to point them ahead to the coming of a Savior. 
Stephen talked about how the people at the time had rejected even Jesus. What a tragedy that they crucified Jesus. But Jesus had come to save them. He preached this beautiful message about God's grace in the person of Jesus. And they wouldn't hear it. They rejected it. They called him a blasphemer. And so they wanted to stone him to death. A most brutal end. Gruesome. A terrible way to die. By any stretch of the imagination. But Stephen, as he is being corralled and stoned to death, he, resp- he replies in this most gracious way. They pick up their stones and they're going to throw them at him. And this is what he says. He looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus. He sees his salvation. And he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And those are the words of someone who is at peace. As there is apparently no peace around him whatsoever, only violence and grief. That is, everyone, that is all that anyone could see, violence and grief. And yet Stephen has this peace. Peace which allows him even to pray for those who are killing him. Peace that trusts that Jesus is going to receive him as he breathes his last. Peace that looks into heaven and knows that that is where his home is, with Jesus. That is what it means to have a peaceful death. That's what Simeon received when he held baby Jesus in his arms, his eyes seeing his salvation. That's what he received. He received the promise of a peaceful death. That's what you receive this Christmas. It's not something anybody likes to think about around Christmas time. Pastors often get a bad rap for being a bit of a bummer around Christmas time, talking so much about death. But here's the thing. Jesus came to die for you so that your death is not a true death. You've already been buried with Christ by baptism into death. So you have life ahead of you, just as Simeon did. You have life ahead of you in the salvation of God. So here's your charge. This is what you should do this Christmas season, in the days ahead as we wind our way through these 12 days of Christmas and into Epiphany and on to Lent as we follow Jesus to the cross and await his resurrection. Hold him tight. Hold him in your arms like Simeon did. Don't be awkward. (laughs) Don't wonder. Don't be uncomfortable thinking about what might happen, worrying about fussing and crying. Hold him tight knowing that he is your salvation. Do not let go. To give him glory forever, that is our great hope and privilege. Put your trust in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.